right, well, good morning and welcome to Trace. Anybody else excited to be here this morning? I'm excited to be here. You can give it up. Sorry, we're in church. It's a good thing. Hey, I wanted to uh, let you know something that happened this past week. This past week, our team went down to Springs Rescue Mission, and we went down there to serve the homeless of our city. It's a, it's a ministry downtown that serves the homeless of our city, and so we as a team, the Trace team, went down there to serve. And while we were there, Stu Davis, which is the director of the ministry down there, he pulled me aside, and he wanted just to say thank you. He said, hey, we wanted, as an organization, he's speaking on behalf of Springs Rescue Mission, to thank Trace Church because uh, of all the towels that we donated. Now, if you're new here and you, or just in the last couple of weeks, you don't know this, but a few weeks ago, we celebrated our two-year anniversary, and in spirit of our two-year anniversary, we asked everyone to bring two towels, and we were going to take those towels down to Springs Rescue Mission so that more people could have an opportunity to take a shower. Now, what we didn't know is that uh, the amount of showers that they can offer to the homeless is dependent on how many towels they have. So I want to read something to you. We didn't know that, but I want to read something to you that Stu also sent me this week in an email. He said this. He said, I found out this morning that we were able to set a record for the number of showers in one day, and this was on Monday, thanks in large part to the towels Trace Church donated last week. And he said, way to go. And I just want to say way to go this morning and say thank you for partnering with us in helping us to leave a trace in a very tangible way. Way. Now, speaking of leaving a trace, last week we did something really unique. Uh, last week, if you were here, you know this, we did what was called a reverse offering. And in hopes to open our eyes once again to see the people that God is putting in front of us, we decided to do this reverse offering. And so last week we gave away $10,000. Now, you need to know for us as a church, that was a big, bold move. That was a huge step of faith uh, because we just don't have $10,000 sitting around. But we believed, after a lot of prayer, we believed that this was something that God was going to use in a very impactful way. And the stories are already pouring in. And I'm incredibly grateful for those of you that have decided to take this seriously by taking one of these envelopes. This is how we did it last week. We gave you one of these envelopes that said, leave your trace on it. And inside this envelope was a $20 bill, a $50 bill, or a $100 bill. And what we encourage you to do is to begin to pray over these envelopes, to ask God, God, like, who needs a blessing in their life right now? Who needs to experience hope? Because for them right now, it may feel lost. Who is it that just needs to feel your love in a very tangible way and start to pray over these envelopes? And, may, and we even ask some of you, maybe put more cash in here if you have more cash that you could add to this and make this blessing even bigger. And then start paying attention. And we kept coming back to this one statement last week. Seeing people is the beginning to loving them. Seeing people is the beginning to loving them. If you've been a part of a church for any amount of time, you know that the word love and the subject of love comes up all the time. But why is it that we're not extending it maybe as much as we need to? Or at least the opportunities that we have to do it. We just overlook it. We don't see people anymore. We see past them. We see through them. And so our hope is that this envelope was going to help us to slow down as we pray over, God, who really needs this? Help me to slow down in my life and pay attention to the people you're putting in my path. I happen to believe that God is putting some people, not everyone, but some people in your path on purpose so that you can extend his love in their life. But we came back to the statement, seeing people is the beginning to loving them. And so what we've asked you to do from this point moving forward is as your stories come in, that you'll begin to write them back on our walls back there. If you look back there, there's a sticker on both sides that says 10,000 traces. And we want you to write the story wherever it is that God led you and however it is that he showed you how you could be a trace of his love. And this is just the beginning. Our hope is that this will open your eyes. And again, the stories that came in this morning, some of them close to bringing me to tears of how God is moving people and showing people how they can uh, be a trace of his love in their life. And 
as those stories come in, we want to encourage you to write them back there on the wall. Now, listen, I get this because I know there's something inside of a lot of us where it's like, well, I don't do this so that other people can see what I'm doing. And that's good. That's, I understand where you're coming from. But we're asking you to go write these on the wall so other people can go and read them and say, you know what? I could do that too. I could do that too. And so we want that wall to become a wall of inspiration of how you're taking our on-mission statement here seriously, to be and to leave a trace of God's love everywhere that you go. And so our hope is that you'll continue to take us up on that. Well, today we cook, um, we don't kick off a new series, we continue uh, in a series called Four Letter Words. And instead of looking at one four-letter word, we're actually going to look at three today. And these three four-letter words are actually going to help us to build a case on a subject that we talk a whole lot about around here. And it's the subject of generosity. And even though we talk a whole lot about this, um, we've never really taken the time to spend in talking about this in a way that shows us, like, how does this actually lived out in our life? And we're going to talk about generosity today, specifically in the context of our money. Time out. Now, if you came here today and you're like, great, my first time coming to church and it's going to be the money talk, here's what you need to know about us. I think we've proven ourselves that we're going to approach things differently. We gave away $10,000 last week. I don't think that we've ever portrayed, I don't think I've ever even heard somebody leaving this church over how we've talked about or handled money. And I want to be really clear today, it's not just going to be a talk about money, it's specifically in the context of generosity. And so there's no preacher pitch today. I want to say that and be clear about it. There's no preacher pitch. We truly want you to move in the direction of generosity. It's a statement we make around here all the time. We want to be the most generous church that anybody has ever been a part of. But in order for that to be true, I think we get this, right? That means all of us as individuals need to begin to pursue generosity because we are the ones who make up Trace Church. And so today we're going to dive into generosity at a much deeper level. And again, I think we get this. We won't become a generous church unless each of us decides to pursue generosity on our own. And another statement I want to be clear about that we make, uh, we make often around here, and it's this. If you don't give here, like give somewhere. If you don't give here, give somewhere, because this comes down to a heart issue. We're going to talk a whole lot about that today. And a statement of that, another statement I want to make is this right here. Today, we don't want anything from you. And I know some of you have come from very negative church connotations when it specifically comes to the subject of money. So I want to be, I'm trying to be crystal clear about what this is and what this isn't this morning. We don't want anything from you, but we do want something for you. Friends, this is not going to be one of those messages that's trying to persuade you to give, to a guilt-ridden message that makes you feel compelled at the end to give to this church. Yes, we want you to give, and if it's not here, we want you to give somewhere. And so the way that we're going to approach this this morning is by looking at these three four-letter words right here. Live, save, and give. And we'll come back to those here in just a few moments. Have you ever thought about where we where we get our perspectives. Have you ever thought about where we get our perspectives? Because if you take a moment, just think through this, you'll understand that most of our perspectives come from our experiences in life, the things that we were taught, the different things that we learned along the way. Those things help to shape our perspectives. And since that is true, I also know that this next statement is true. Many of the perspectives that we hold on today are not true. And so they may potentially be holding us back. And then something happens, and I'm almost certain you guys have experienced this. Oftentimes in our life, we experience new things. We are taught new things. We start to, to learn and, 
have different events that take place in our life that begin to challenge and even change the perspective that we once had. Why do I say that? Here's why. I believe that maybe our most skewed perspective in this life has to do with this subject right here. And so today, all I'm asking, all I'm asking is that you will challenge, allow me to challenge some of the perspectives that you have on the subject of money. Do you know that Jesus actually had a lot to say about the subject of money? He says more about money in the Gospels than he does the subject of heaven or hell combined. And I believe Jesus, actually I know, I don't believe, I know that Jesus understood something, understands something a lot more than we do. And I think this is why he talked about money so much because of this statement right here. What you do with what you have determines whose you are, not who you are, but whose you are. Again, this comes back to a heart issue. What you do with what you have determines whose you are. And this is also why Jesus takes a moment, two different times in the Gospels, and he says this. He says, you can't worship or you can't serve both God and money. And the reason why this is very interesting is because of out of, out of all the things that Jesus talks about, we never see him do this with any other subject. He never puts two things side by side and says, hey, you're going to have to choose one of these. And it doesn't mean money's bad. It doesn't mean you shouldn't pursue it. It doesn't even mean you shouldn't try to make more of it. What he says is, don't serve it. Because what happens in our life, and he knows this a lot better than we do, the biggest competitor for your heart is actually money. Right? I mean, think about this for a second. Oh, where's it at? It's in my pocket. Here it is. George is trying to tell you that he can do everything that Jesus can. George is trying to tell you, hey, hey, you don't need God. I can give you hope. I can give you security. I can give you position, prestige. I can give you a future. You see, George is trying to tell you, I can do everything God can, so why don't you serve me? Jesus understands this. And again, money's amoral. Money's not bad. But Jesus says, in this life, you're going to serve one of these things. And so you're going to have to choose. One of them is going to get your allegiance. One of them is going to get your heart. And so Jesus says, you can't serve both. And later in that passage, he says, you're going to end up, if you choose one or the other, and you need, you're going to choose one or the other, you're going to end up hating one and being devoted to the other. So what can we deduce from this? Friends, how we pursue, how we approach, and how we interact with George is directly related to whether or not Jesus owns our heart. And one of the best steps, listen to me, one of the best steps that I think that you can make in the direction of Jesus this morning, even after you've already devoted your life to him, for those of you in here that have, the best step to make sure that Jesus continues to own your heart is to become a generous person. So let's talk about what generosity is, and let's talk about what it isn't. Generosity is not just giving. Now, giving obviously is a part of generosity, right? It's, uh, it's part of being able to release different resources to give to people. So giving is a part of generosity, but by itself, giving is not generosity because we all give to something. Stay with me for a second. We give to Starbucks. We give to Dutch Brothers. We give to iTunes and Netflix and McDonald's. We give to the vitamin shop for our caffeine addiction. Quick confession for you this morning. We might even give a little money to the church or maybe a cause every now and then. But this is why giving by itself can't be generosity, because that's passive. You see, generosity has to be intentional. Generosity has to have a plan. 
It can't be an afterthought. Generosity is when you decide to give first. And so let's dig down on this for a second together because here's what we need to remember and really what we need to know. What the culture is trying to teach us about our perspective of money and and the pattern in which we look at it is this right here. We live however we want, we save if there's anything left over, and we give if it's convenient. We live however we want, even if that means going into debt, we save if there's anything left over, and we give if it's convenient. Friends, the kingdom of God is challenging that perspective. The kingdom of God says, listen, in order to become a generous person, I need you to flip that notion completely around. Because the beginning of a generous life puts a priority on giving. You see, generosity challenges this culture's perspective on money and replaces it with a kingdom one, one that looks like this. We give first, we save second, and we live on the rest. Now, I'm not going to go a whole lot into the save and live portion today because today in our subject and in our study of learning about more about generosity, I'm going to focus specifically on giving. And if you wanted some percentages to go along with this, I think here's a healthy platform to start with. We give 10, we save 10, and we live on 80. We give 10, we save 10, and we live on 80. Now, let me be clear. For those of you that this is completely new to, you're like, whoa, like we're already overextended as a family. We're already, I'm already overextended as an individual. There's no way that I could give 10. Start somewhere. Choose to be intentional first. Choose to give first. And that is the first approach to becoming a generous person. And so if you can't give 10, maybe you give 2 Maybe you give 5%. Maybe you give 7%. Whatever that is, working your way to hopefully 10%. And the reason why this number 10% comes up so often, especially in the church, if you've been around church, you know about the tithe. And the reason why we don't use words like tithe a whole lot around here is because there's a negative connotation that uh, comes with that for a lot of people because you've been a part of unhealthy church cultures where preachers with this kind of microphone have persuaded you to give or manipulated you to give in a way that's incredibly unhealthy. And so we want to be sensitive to all of that, but we also don't want to neglect what the Bible teaches. And here's what the Bible teaches. Generosity can't be anything less than 10%. There's nothing in the scriptures that we ever see that where somebody gave less than 10%, it was commended. And you just need to know that. But that doesn't mean you need to walk away from here feeling guilty if you can't give 10%. It means you've got to start somewhere. So let me give you even a a clear uh, outline and breakdown of what it looks like to become a generous person. A generous person... They have a plan. A a generous person starts with a plan. And then they have a calculated amount. And again, this is where I would encourage you to try to move in the direction of 10%. Again, let me be be clear. This is not about just giving 10% here. I'm not talking. There's no preacher pitch. This is not about giving specifically here. It's about becoming a generous person. Person, which means you have to have a plan. You have to have a calculated amount. It can't be passive. It's like, oh, 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 here's, here's a 20 It's not that. It's a calculated approach to, you know what, this is how much I'm going to give and I'm going to choose to give on the front end. It can't be an afterthought. And then the last thing is this, a designated location. And so as you're thinking about the designated designated locations that you want to give, here's a statement that I want all of you guys to hear this morning. If you don't give to Trace, heaven has no more space. If you, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, come on. Guys, listen to me, I get it. I get that the, the sensitivity to this. I get that there's something inside of you and th- something's in your throat and you're like, man, where's he going with this? Where's the preacher pitch come in? There is no preacher pitch. 
right? There is no preacher pitch, and I get it. I know there are guys with microphones like this, and they get up here, and they sound so convincing, and it sounds like they're the voice of God, where it's like, you're going to give, and when you do, God's going to bless you, and you're going to get a Mercedes Benz, and blah, 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 whatever it is. That's not who we are. I want you to become a more generous person, because I believe in the process of becoming a more generous person. Listen to me. You're going to reflect the heart of Jesus, you're going to begin to, re- to receive and sense a type of contentment and fullness and peace that this world could never give you, never give you. And so when it comes to what you give to, here's what I would encourage you to do. It's my one thing for today. Give to who owns your heart and give to what breaks your heart. Give to who owns your heart and give to what breaks your heart. So this idea of giving to who owns your heart Hopefully you're here today, and we understand that everybody has given their life over to Jesus, but if you have, give to something that's ministry-oriented. Give to something that's going to build the kingdom of God. And yes, our hope is that you believe this place is building the kingdom of God. And so, yeah, we we hope that you give here, but we're not going to tell you that this is where your giving needs to completely go. It could go to missionaries. It could go to other ministries, other things that you know that people are doing, sex trafficking, and, and people that are going over to India and Man, there's tons of places where you could give that represent who owns your heart. You want to give to ministries that are making Jesus famous. We would encourage you to give there. But also give to what breaks your heart. Emily and I have decided that we're going to give at least 10% here all the time. And then above and beyond that, we give to different things that break our heart. And so we sponsor a couple kids who live in different countries. We give money to an organization that's researching cancer specifically cancer in children. We give to who owns our heart, and we give to what breaks our heart. And friends, this is a heart issue. And most of you, if you've been around the church for any amount of time, you've, you've heard this verse. For where your treasure is, this is Jesus talking in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. But the opposite is also true. Because where your heart is, your money will typically follow. So give to who owns your heart, and give to what breaks your heart. And let me be clear about something. This has nothing to do with cash flow. This has nothing to do with how much money you make. Friends, there are rich people who give that are not generous. There are rich people who give a lot that are not generous because generosity begins with choosing to give first and being intentional with giving who owns your heart and giving to what breaks your heart. Now, let's settle down here for a second. Friends, this, what I'm telling you right now, This sounds crazy to the rest of the world because they can do the math really quick and determine, wait, 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 wait. if I give more, that means I get, what, less. You see, all of us have been conditioned to see money through a lens that says consume first, save if you can, and give if it's convenient. Consume first, save if you can, and give if, if it's convenient. And this approach to money has led millions of people, millions of people, Americans specifically, into deep financial debt and even disaster. You see, most Americans spend more money than they make. Think about that for a second. Most Americans spend more money than they make. Friends, that is crazy. And so if you want to live in crazy, just keep doing what everybody else is doing. Listen to me. If you want an off-ramp to crazy this morning, if you'd like an off-ramp to crazy, it begins with a generous life. And generosity begins by choosing to give first. I want to read to you something that the Apostle Paul says when it comes to the 
the times in our life where we feel pulled to do just what the culture is doing. Kind of that cultural vacuum of, yeah, just kind of go with the cultural current. He says this in Romans chapter 12. He says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, which would be live however you want, save if you can, and give if it's convenient. But instead, he says, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Friends, when it comes to our money, I think we've been holding on to a perspective, a worldly perspective, that is holding us back from experiencing the peace and the fulfillment and the joy that can only come with becoming a generous person. Emily and I can speak from example, not example, from experience with this. For the last 15 years of our marriage, Emily and I have been pursuing generosity together. And by no means are we like the token generous people or anything like that. We're pursuing it. I don't even think generosity is something that you arrive at. I think you can grow in it for the rest of your life. And not only are we continuing to pursue generosity together, but we're learning to teach it to our kids. And so we do so by giving them, each of our kids, we got four kids, giving them three jars. And it says give, save, and spend. So a little bit different take on that last word, but give, save, and spend. Right now in Trace Kids, your children are learning this very principle. And so this would be a great discussion around the dinner table tonight. And you know something that Emily and I have never said in the last 15 years of being married? Man, I wish we would have spent more and given less. You know something I'm almost certain none of you will ever make on your deathbed, a statement? Man, I wish I would have spent more and given less. So what if we actually started today? And instead of waiting until we potentially set our lives up for regret, what if we actually started to live generously today? Or at least taking a step towards it. And the first step to take towards it is choosing to give first. Friends, all of us have is a little bit of time and a little bit of opportunity to use our resources in a way that may outlive our very own lives. And I want to solidify that for you this morning by reading to you a parable. If you have your Bibles with you today, you can turn them open or turn them on to Luke chapter 16. And for those of you that maybe don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one at guest services today. And if you don't have it with you right now, feel free to follow along on on the screens. Now, this particular parable is called the parable of the shrewd manager. And many people have been confused by this parable in the past. And my hope is that I can bring some clarity to it today. Here's how it reads. Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, "What what is this that I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig. I mean, I've been a behind the scenes kind of person. I've been back in the back in the offices. I don't have calluses on my hands. I can't go out and work for myself. And he says, I'm too ashamed to beg. Maybe I've gone with too much of my life and I don't know what it looks like to ask somebody for help. And so maybe he's dealing with some pride. And what he does in this moment is he assesses his situation. He says, I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors and he asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it 450. Then he asked the second, how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill, and make it 800. And don't miss this, watch this. The master 
commended the dishonest manager because he acted shrewdly. The master commended the dishonest manager because he acted shrewdly. Shrewdly, this idea of he assessed the situation, he understood, man, I've only got a little bit of time, and I've got a little bit of opportunity, and he chose how to leverage that in his direction. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than the people are of the light. Friends, you see this shrewd manager here, he had a crisis, and so he made a plan. He understood, all I've got is a little bit of time and a little bit of opportunity. All I've got is a little bit of time and a little bit of resource. A little bit of time, a little bit of opportunity, a little bit of time, and a little bit of resource, and he decided to leverage it. Friends, all any of us have is a little bit of time and a little bit of opportunity. A little bit of time and a little bit of resource. And so what if we leveraged it to make a bigger ripple than our life ever could on its own. Let me use this illustration to solidify this point. You see, too many of us approach life as if this is it. You see, this red tape represents our earthly life. And even for those of us who believe in eternity and believe that there's more to life after our life here on earth, what we often do is we still invest our time and our opportunities and our resources as if this is it. But the kingdom approach, not the culture approach, but a kingdom approach and a kingdom perspective says you have the ability to leverage your little bit of time and your little bit of opportunity, your little bit of time and your little bit of resource. You can leverage that to make an eternal difference in someone else's life. You have the ability to use this little bit of time and this little bit of resource in such a way by becoming generous, choosing to be generous, that not only will it help this, you know, however many breaths that we have in this lifetime, not only will it give you more fulfillment and peace and joy here, but you have the potential to create an eternal difference. This is what the rest of this rope represents. The eternity that we have waiting for us. And once our life is gone, the things that we did through a kingdom approach, not a culture approach, but through a kingdom approach, has the ability to even make an eternal difference in someone else's life. Friends, all we have, all any of us have, is a little bit of time, a little bit of opportunity, a little bit of time, and a little bit of resource. So give to who owns your heart and give to who breaks your heart. Give to who owns your heart and give to what breaks your heart. And don't forget this statement. What you do with what you have will determine whose you are. I want to end by telling you a personal story of how this became very relevant in my family's life in the last few weeks. A few weeks ago, Emily and I were sitting down and we were looking at our finances. And as we were looking at our finances, we understood that we were about to be overextended. Not because we were being foolish with our resources, it's because we have four kids and new expenses come up like orthodontics and uh, we got a kid going into preschool and so we were about to start living in crazy. We were about to start spending more than what we were making. And so we decided to kind of pause and we need to assess the situation and figure out what we're gonna do. Now let me tell you something that I've hesitated in saying, but I'm gonna go ahead and say it. We give 15% of everything that we have away. That's what my family does. And so what we could have easily done in that moment, and let me back up and tell you, the reason I tell you that is not so you can say, oh, wow, look what they're, they're doing. I don't, I don't need any attaboys. This is not for self-promotion, 100% at all. And for those of you that know my heart, understand this. I'm telling you this because I want to show you something that God showed us. 
So we're assessing the situation. And what we said was, hey, we, we're giving 15%, so we, should, we could easily take 5% away, come back down to 10. And if we took that 5%, then we're going to be okay. We could actually cover these new bills that we're going to have coming in. But one of the things that you need to know about us is that some of the most incredible moments that Emily and I have ever experienced have come either on the other end of generosity by us receiving it or us giving it. And by no means do we ever want to take away from that. We want to increase that number. We hope it gets to 20% in the next couple of years and keep going. Why not? Because we only have a little bit of time and a little bit of resource. We only have a little bit of time and a little bit of opportunity to make a difference that will far outlive our lives. And so instead of taking that 5% away, this past week I sold my car. And we're a one-car family now. And we don't feel like that, that that's a big sacrifice to make it all. We know that God continues to show up in the midst of our desire to give first and to be generous. And so I want to encourage you this morning, even more so than encourage you, I want to dare you this morning. I want to dare you to take Jesus up on a statement that he made once. He said, you know what? It's actually better to give than it is to receive. Friends, I dare you to take him up on it. I dare you to be generous. I dare you to challenge the crazy of our culture and replace it with a more kingdom-minded perspective. I dare you to be generous. And I dare you to start giving first. It doesn't have to be here. But if you don't give here, man, give somewhere. Friends, if you do it, listen to me, you'll be better for it. The people around you will be better for it. And ultimately, God will be glorified because he'll own your heart. Let's pray. Father, man, we, we all can agree this morning that we have some messed up perspectives. We can all agree this morning that some of our perspectives are skewed based on different things that we were taught that were simply untrue or different things that we've allowed this culture to shape in, in the way that we think and how we live. But again, Paul makes it clear, don't, don't allow the culture to shape the way that you think but allow you, God, to transform our minds so that we can think differently. And so, God, when it comes to generosity, I pray that the only message that people heard this morning is that in order to become generous, in order to make sure that we always know that you are the only thing and the only one who owns our heart, that it begins with a generous life, choosing to give first, not letting George own our heart, but allowing Jesus to always own our heart. And so, Father, I pray that you meet us in the midst of whatever potential financial struggle that we find ourselves in this morning. And even if it's 1%, 2%, 5%, whatever that number looks like, that we will all take a step together this morning in the direction of generosity, choosing to live a generous life. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.